0: uncertainty is the only thing that you can be sure of. That's the harsh reality I talk about with this week's guest, Drew Howe, the CCO at CXE, a customer experience consultancy. We'll talk about his lessons learned, starting a business after university, and navigating the changing world of fintech from 2010 to 2022. We'll also talk about what you can do as a leader to enhance your customer and employee experience, and why he sees mentors, as an essential asset to any leader. Let's take it away. Welcome to the Leadership for Unicorns podcast. I'm your host, Rob D. Willis, and I work with tech companies all over the world to teach them communication skills and public speaking. Join me as I talk to tech leaders who have seen it all. You'll hear their stories and learn from their experience. So buckle up and let's uncover those gems they won't teach you in an MBA. Hey, Andrew, welcome to the show. Good to have you here, man. Yeah, good to be here, mate. Good to see you. You go under many names. Should I be calling you Andy, Andrew, Drew? Oh,
1: what's, what's the brand we're going under today? The split personality that is Andrew Howell. Yeah.
0: Let's go with, let's go with Drew. Go on. I know you're the CCO at CXY. You're mainly involved in customer experience, but maybe for the listeners, it would be really good if you could just kick off by just telling us a bit about yourself, uh, your company and your team as well.
1: God, I mean, I've, I've worn a few hats in my career. I suppose I've been in creative agencies, you know, looked after rock stars at a bar, run fashion shows, worked in brands, then worked in technology and product, which probably defines me in the most, uh, specific way, working in, in fintech, retail technology, mostly mm-hmm. in marketing roles. But in terms of what, well, what I'm doing now, um, CXE. Uh, the way we would, uh, I suppose, brand ourselves is we're, we're customer thinking experts. So we essentially tackle, you know, major problems or indeed uh, look at opportunities that businesses can, uh, you know, overcome and, and, then, and then achieve through the customer lens. So we do everything thinking about the customer. You know, what does the customer mm-hmm. want? And uh, if you're a business that thinks they know that, brilliant. You may not do that. Uh, we've got a very sort of deep dive, interrogative process, which we, we take businesses through. We try and make it fun and enjoyable. <laughs> um, and, you know, as we say in our strap line, uh, we discover the uncommon truth. And that's, that's kind of how we position ourselves.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And I know you've got a small, but quite an, an all star team. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. We certainly do. Yeah. Kate, Kate and Lou are, are our business partners. Um, so we all come from, you know, an incredible array of different backgrounds. Yeah, you know, mine's sort of startup and brand. Kate's come from, you know, doing major things at Tesco's back in the day. Lou's been doing fantastic works in, in sort of operations and, and finance over the last uh, however many years. And, and yeah, or just a real, real heavy, heavyweight team there. It's, it's it, yeah, it's incredible to be part of it, basically. So that's, that's really exciting.
0: awesome. Awesome. Um, so it sounds like there's a, a lot of experience there. And you mentioned the huge variety of different places that you've been working as well. So we've got the marketing, we've got the big companies, the small companies. Uh, our listeners are mainly in the kind of younger tech world, which I guess would really be very relevant to your, your experience in fintech. And I'm wondering the role of a leader. Yeah. So a leader in a company like Power, like Valator, these young, exciting tech companies. How is the role of a leader, do you think, different in those sorts of companies to other places where you've been working?
1: <laughs> sure, I was thinking about this beforehand. Uh, God, I've seen so many different shapes of leader. Um, mm-hmm. it, having worked for lots of different leaders, I've, I've experienced you know a, a phenomenal range from sort of incredibly mentoring, um, but quite sort of, you know, I'm mentoring you don't, don't mess this up, you know, you're <laughs> not flying off all in different directions. So you, you know you to be channeled, uh, to, to leaders that just shout, you know, and just throw the toys out the pram and get really mental about stuff and, you know, get that, that's a, yeah, that's one way of leading, you know, very sort of autocratic, but you know, but, yeah, that's one way, uh, to leaders who take very, very sort of uh, not standoffish, but real kind of, you know, You go and do what I've hired you to do. And, and I'm going to let you do that, you know, and that, that's been quite, it's been quite interesting trying to navigate from being, if you like, an operator and someone who does the doing to trying to learn all those different ways of leading and then moving into leadership at the likes of K3 and and Pennies and, and now of CXC how I want to, how do I want to shape myself as a, as a leader?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And I think the thing which I reflect on the most is, and you know, this is going back to the days when we first met, you know, I, I started a business straight out of uni and I can honestly say I was the worst possible leader that you could, you could ever imagine. I was all over the place. I was quite shouty. I didn't really know what I really would know what I was doing, but I was like a hundred percent confident that everything I was doing was the right thing because I, okay. could, I just was just like, no, this is it. This is how we're doing it. And actually I think the biggest thing for me there was looking back now, I wish mm-hmm. I had asked for, for more help. I wish I would found okay. the mentor. I wish I'd mm-hmm. found more people who could allow me to what I refer to as uh, not hit the glass ceiling that I did hit. And actually mm-hmm. that resulted in me essentially losing the plot and losing my faith mm-hmm. in my own capabilities. Mm-hmm. Which led me on to ultimately the best part of my career, but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one.
0: Let's unpack that a little bit more. Uh, I know it's it's a different kind of company. It was a small business. It was marketing as well. Yeah, but nevertheless, clearly had some great lessons that you took from it. So I'm wondering, tell us, put us in the moment. What was going on around that time? Uh, what built up to you feeling that you were really out of your depth? I think, well, I mean, this is going
1: back a long time. This, I think I took, I took over the business when we just had the financial crash. I was in a print business, you know, as Facebook and Twitter were exploding, LinkedIn was starting. The whole shape of the industry was just fundamentally changing. Mm-hmm. And I just doggedly wanted to carry on doing what we'd always done, right? And that was the biggest mistake I ever made because I didn't innovate. I didn't change. Um, and because of that, I, I, I could only achieve certain amounts as the, as the world around me changed so quickly, you know, smartphones came to fruition, like within a couple of years, everyone had a smartphone, suddenly everyone's got everything they need to know about everything in the palm of their hand. They don't need mm-hmm. no print. They didn't need flyers. And they, they certainly didn't need, they didn't need what we were doing basically. And I, I went off in different directions. I tried to set up different. Um, you know, disciplines in terms of build. you know, moving into creative, try, you know, even tested myself as managing different hospitality chains and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically, I just lost the plot. I, you know, I started going, Oh, well, I'll, I'll diversify what I do. And actually, what it meant was I completely lost focus on what I really needed to do, which is work mm-hmm. out how to evolve the core business. Okay. And actually, if I focused on that. I may have actually been able to make more of it. And, you know, there are examples of businesses that were around us as competitors at that time and, you know, yeah. they're doing really well now. You know, they were yeah. They focus, innovate, they change their, their way of doing things and, and mm-hmm. they, you know, they're still around and the guys that were in charge then are still in charge now. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's a, it's probably the easiest way of, uh, reflecting on that.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, the gift of hindsight is very dangerous because the world was different back then, for sure. But I'm wondering, in the moment, as things were unraveling, and you were stubbornly sticking to a line that you felt was going to work, was there maybe a moment where it clicked for you that maybe things aren't going back to how they were, pre-financial crash? Maybe I need to change or I just need to get out of this? Like, Can you tell us a bit about that moment?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's probably what I'd refer to as my first meltdown. Mm-hmm. It, it, was, it was a moment where you know, we weren't making enough money. I wasn't able to treat my staff really well. You know, that Mm -hmm. was, that was awful. Um, you know, I had, I had a few people who were really amazing and supported me and, and, and worked with me and friends and, you know, everyone, everyone really rallied around it, but it just wasn't, it just wasn't working. And, you know, when you start seeing that you can't, or the the relationships are becoming fractured or you're not being Mm -hmm. able to, Sort of help those people in the way you want. You're not being able to develop the business in the way you want, and then you yourself are losing your own health. You know because yeah. you're working 100 hours a week. You know up at the crack of dawn, probably out too late. You know all those things. You're trying to live a life at the same time. You're young. You know mid mid twenties. You want to go and have as much fun as possible and your body can just. Yeah, 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 yeah. But when you're balancing those two things. You know, it just gets to a point where everything just crumbles. And that is what happened. Like everything just, it came to a point. I remember t- sitting in the office. I mean, I, you know, thinking about having an office at this point in the world is, is crazy when you think about what we were managing to generate as business. But at that time, it was like, you need an office. I just remember sitting there and just opening my laptop and going, I can't do this anymore. This isn't it. I can't, I can't, I can't mm-hmm. take this anymore. And I can't sustain this anymore for everybody. So, yeah, and i closed the laptop turned around to everyone and said right so it's it it's over and it's I, over. i'm pretty sure i left that day mm-hmm. which was you know massive emotional roller coaster
0: and takes a lot of recovery time and uh, time to reset and then you went in a, in a completely different direction which we'll come to a little bit later yeah uh, for sure but you know it's even if Maybe the industry is different. Uh, we are sometimes faced in this situation where things are changing in the world very rapidly. We have a particular business which we believe is the right thing to do or a particular way of working that we believe is right. And it, maybe it is, maybe we don't. Maybe it isn't. We don't know in that moment. So I'm wondering, if a, if a first-time leader, you from back then, came to you asking for advice, um, what would you tell them in that moment?
1: I would tell them, well, first coming back to my previous point, make sure you've got an amazing collection of, you know, old people who have been there, done it, got the t-shirt. Have mm-hmm. a collection of partner businesses where you don't just see business as your competitor, but you actually enter into more of a relationship with those equivalent leaders. And yeah. actually, you know, if you can solve a problem in an industry collectively, you'll move that industry mm-hmm. further forward. And yeah. I think, you know, building that kind of network of people around you is really good because they're there to challenge you. They're there to support mm-hmm. you. And ultimately, they're there to make sure that you can be a success. So your mentorship and you know, non-exec advisors, for example, are uh, really, really, really important. And I've only only really become aware of that in the last sort of few years, probably. Probably even as little as the last year, 18 months, yeah. to be honest. So I would absolutely give that advice. And the other bit that I would say is, uh, you're not right. Fact, right? Yeah, no, he's <laughs> right. Um, so never assume, never be so arrogant to assume that you've got it right, because the chances are 10 seconds later it will be wrong. Or it won't be in the same shape. It won't have the same meaning or purpose or impact. So you've got to constantly question what you're doing. And I think, yeah, this is. I suppose some people would start, yeah, you know, saying things like waterfall and agile and you know all this sort of terminology. But you know, it's it's not inaccurate to say you've you've got to be on your feet constantly with a business. You- you're running a business. You're you're being a leader. You you can't just see what's in front of you. You've got to think way ahead. You've got to strategize about all the things that could go wrong, all the things that could go right and navigate that path in the most effective way possible. And most of the time it's going to involve learning as much as you possibly can about stuff that you probably don't know anything about, which is a a huge, huge task and it's an amorphous task. But through Mm -hmm. that advice network, it'll at least help you channel that. So I would definitely make sure, and I'd say to people, whether or not I do it myself still, I would definitely advise people to ensure that they really open their eyes to, to, you know, other opportunities and really understand the market. Yeah. The other thing I would also say is running a business and being a leader. Um, there is one really functional thing that you can consistently do to make sure that you're leading that business really effectively. And it's, it's one, it's, it's really understanding and, and having a really strong relationship with your customers. So you understand where they need to be. Mm-hmm. And secondly, it's really understanding your colleagues and your staff and really understanding mm-hmm. what is keeping them coming to work in the day. Like what gets them up in the morning? How can you better the business? So you retain those, those individuals. Because if you don't mm-hmm. have people working in your business, you sort of don't have a business. And if you don't have customers, you definitely don't have a business. So if you can innovate and grow those two things in, 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 in parallel, you're going to have all the data. Yeah, available to you to, to be a successful leader and run a successful business.
0: Yeah, brilliant. I mean, let's, let's pause at that. I, I want to hear some more, a couple of other stories about, uh, about your experience in other places as a leader and how you were able to apply this. But for now, let's just settle on what you just said there, because uh, I know that you are a self-confessed customer experience nerd, <laughs> and there's a particular way of thinking that comes with that, as you say, understanding your customer, understanding your team. And I'm wondering for our listeners, who are mostly leads, directors, VPs, executives in tech, what can they do with their teams to ensure that their teams and their customers are having as rewarding an experience as possible? Like one, or, one or two top top things, maybe. So it's a,
1: it's very, diff, very difficult to sort of whistle it down to two distinct things that I would. I would suggest, I mean, what, what I could do is I could reflect on um, something that I was working on the other day, which is that in, in most businesses, you'll have your executive leadership who will have mm. a really good idea of where the business needs to go and probably have an idea on how to implement it. They'll have lots of charts and they'll have lots of sort of flow diagrams about things and there'll be you know, OKRs and everything that go with it and objectives. Mm-hmm. The reality is that there's often a massive gap in understanding, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of what's set up here and then what's actually understood down here. So I Mm -hmm. think the first thing that I would say is really, really making sure that the education and the understanding in your, whether it's a department or whether it's in a whole business, I talk about the concept of whole company thinking, you know, Mm -hmm. where you build up. So you've got your top down, but actually maybe you should think about those top elements by building them from the ground up so that you know that you're yeah. already instilling an understanding and an education which can then be turned into action. So remove that understanding gap, basically. So that's why I say, mm-hmm. you know, build everything from the ground up through the people that are going to have to deliver it and make sure their understanding is brilliant. Because, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, customer experience, I, I would, you know, I used to talk about it from the concept of brand You know, if you build a great brand, everyone lives and breathes it and everyone understands what their North Star is, the purpose of the business and why they're getting up in the in the day to do it. So really making sure that you invest, you know, as a leader, invest as much time as you possibly, possibly can into your engine room, because without it, nothing's going to happen. And same goes for what I'd refer to as application. Okay. So it's all very well that everyone knows it, but do they actually know how to apply this now? You know, Mm -hmm. so you've got, again, you've got all your charts, how to deliver great work. And yeah, you've got, this is where we need to be. And we're going to tell the world that we're going to be carbon net, net zero and all this stuff. Great. Fantastic. But again, if you don't have the people that understand and then know how to apply the day-to-day, you're not going to achieve those goals. So again, Mm -hmm. in terms of the application gap, as I call it, you need to build from that ground level, get, those, get your staff, get your colleagues to build those programs themselves and communicate across departments to be able to actually build out that genuine application of, of, of what you're doing as a leader. So, Dev, you're yeah. thinking as a whole company.
0: Yeah, for sure. And uh, it's a very old-fashioned way of working, isn't it? The top-down approach. It's very much like the military. There is a strategic leader and they pass the orders down the chain. It's a very slow way of working. It's a very inefficient way of working. And you don't yield the benefit to the insights from those frontline workers, individual contributors, the people actually doing this stuff as it's, well. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and I'm wondering, like, when you're in the middle, though, when you are in that gap yeah. between the sea level and you know, you've got a team of 40, 50 people that need to understand what to do next, um, you're in a very difficult situation. So, I'm wondering for that person who's stuck in the middle, do you see anything that they can do right now? Yeah, I mean, it's just, you, you just, you just got to talk.
1: You got to talk to these people. You know, you can't, you mm-hmm. it's, it's very easy to get stuck in this trend. It's like, we need to do this. So, everyone scurries away. Okay, we'll go and do, but have, have it, has everyone really understood it? Or is everyone running off and then trying to be really clever? you know, Mm -hmm. and like, oh, well, know, we're going to do all this stuff and I'm going to be really clever and I'm going to show my leader how clever I am rather than actually going, hang on a second, we haven't actually talked this really through, we haven't really workshopped it. So I would rather spend a week with any team that I worked with to make sure that everyone genuinely understood stuff and had also contributed to it and that we brought the learning of everything up together at the same time. I know it's quite a sort of, fairytale way of looking at it right but actually yeah it's sort of fundamental to healthy business that that your 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 teams in every single way are are involved in it you know the concept of uh you know you used to sort of uh, military term. you know you've got a sort of salient unit that just plows forward you know that's your that's your c-suite and they're often they're often you know asserting their forward position but you've got the rest you've got everyone else back here going Mm -hmm. i'm all right actually that's that's looking a bit stressful over there Whereas actually, if you brought everyone together and moved as one entire unit, you'd be able to couple more grads, you'd, you'd get results yeah. quicker, and also the communication would be there. So a hundred percent, I'd take a step back from going forward and I would get your whole team together, take yourselves out of the office or wherever you are, get together if you've been remote, and I would look at the challenges you're trying to overcome, and I would yeah. make sure that nobody feels like they're saying the wrong thing. I, I think I said something to you the other day, which was, nobody cares that you're clever right? Yeah. It's expected that you're clever. That's why you've got the job, right? So it's a leader's job to then extrapolate that cleverness and actually turn it into something which moves really quickly and delivers really quickly. And so I think that's the mindset that we've got to, we've got to break that mindset of some teams to their leaders, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think it's an essential part, isn't it? Of any kind of leadership. It could be a thought leadership. It could be leadership of a team that we remove the ego and, okay. like we mentioned earlier, that belief that you are right, you, yeah. or at least being prepared to question. Because you may well be right, of course, but you won't know until you've questioned it. Yeah. And, that, and not taking the time to do that is simply stubbornness as yeah. well. Um,
1: accepting challenge, isn't it? It's accepting challenge and understanding that, again, coming back to my previous point, like you're not actually right. Mm-hmm. until you know you are or you've delivered
0: it. For, for sure. And, and we were I've been talking about this with other leaders as well. Even when you did everything right, there's still a chance it won't work. Or even if you did it wrong, there's a chance that it might work
1: out. Yeah, is that, I think it's was it Barak Ubal when he said like, it's better to it would d- make decisions at 51 percent confidence and, and do lots of make lots of decisions and do lots of things and learn from them then to wait until you're 99 percent confident that you've
0: made the right decision to then do one thing that yeah. then still might not, <laughs> might not Absol- work yeah, yeah. absolutely right and on that on that note just one kind of last question in, in this area i'm um, thinking about your time in, in the fintech and payment space, you were very much involved in that for, from what I could tell, about 10 years or something in yeah. payments? In and around, yeah. In and around. There. And i just just that that's an eternity in tech. And I'm wondering, how did you see the challenges of leaders changing over like from 2010 to 2022, basically?
1: God, yeah, I mean, I suppose that there, there were multiple things, you know, there were huge numbers of new market entrants. You know, we we went back in 2010 when I, when I joined Power, you know, we were one of the sort of golden children of the the fintech industry, as it were. And, uh, you know, although that ended up in a, a little bit of an implosion, a little bit being an understatement, but anyway, um, <laughs> you know, the point is that the technology was quite ahead of its, its game at that time, whether it's ahead of its game, you know, and, and the the huge number of things which have come recently, you know, the point is that knowledge of payments and knowledge of, I suppose, the consumer audience towards how they pay and how they expect to pay and the shopping experiences that they want and everything else, Mm -hmm. everything's become so much faster. And data has become so much more of a, uh, uh, you know, it's become the most important uh, weapon in your arsenal of how to really connect with your customers. But equally, customers have got so many different ways of being able to play so many different apps. So, you know, the, the, the landscape is, uh, is awash with okay. so many different things. So I think as, as leaders from, from that point to, to where we are now, you know, the, the, the challenge has changed from being this sort of like quite sparkly, quite interesting. Wow. Look at this. Let's go for it. to now it being an expectation and then you're, the challenge becomes different it becomes about how do we make sure that we provide not just the basics and coming back to that nobody cares or clever it's like nobody cares about what your payments is what they care about is that you get a really great experience and it doesn't go wrong when it goes wrong that's when people get really annoyed so as a b2b network for example mm-hmm. you've got to make sure that you are offering fantastic customer care right And when I think customer care, it's not just to the business that you're serving, that's then serving their customer, but you can do the entire value chain. So the from the kind of sell, 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 sparkly, wow, you know this is amazing. Look at all this technology. It's now you know the battleground really is around you know how can you add value and how can you be uh, how can you offer a really great day to day experience with Mm -hmm. your the businesses you work with. And you know what? If you offer a really great experience, you're probably willing to pay a little bit more. If you can keep that experience. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, where is it? You know, at, at different stages, it's been like a race to the bottom on price and, you know, features and everything and products and all this stuff. Now, yeah, it really is all about if you offer a crap service, you are not going to, you're not going to retain your customers. It doesn't matter how cheap you are, right? Yeah. People want to know that they can rely on you. And people want to know that they can, uh, that they can enter into something that's long term mm-hmm. and they're not going to have to worry about it. So the narrative is is very different. So for a leader, they've had to navigate probably quite a, quite a phenomenal movement towards something slightly different. Now, that being said, you know mentors of mine would probably turn around and say, you know, Drew, you're you're absolutely full of guff here. This has always been the way, and everything else that you know that goes with it. But that's just my interpretation of of what I've seen.
0: No, and um, it's an interesting point, and I think. The key to overcoming it is ensuring that your whole team are on board, have ownership, 100%. understand what they're doing. Because unless they do that, they cannot deliver. Yeah. that experience that people really but, need to have. Look,
1: and you, you know, you look at you look at the re- Why do people go and work for a business today, right? It, you know you kind of almost got this kind of cult of personality back in the day when you had all these really sparkly fintechs turning up. It was like, wow, look at that. Yeah, I'll go and work and kill myself while I work for them. That's that, yeah, by, yeah. that's all the payment I need. Because I've got this, yeah, you know, his brand is, yeah, it's very similar in, in agency world or marketing marketing agency worlds and ad agency worlds, you know, the the life is that you're working and you're getting that experience. Whereas now I think, you know, especially the younger generation, a couple of you are even saying that, Rob, the younger generation makes me feel sick. These youngsters. These youngsters. I was there, somebody said, oh, you were born in the 90s the other day. I was like, no, I was born in the 80s. Like, wow, yeah, no, man. <laughs> That's serious. It's like, what? Anyway, but the point that I'm trying to make is, you know, expectations of people are just much, much higher now. You know, is the Mm -hmm. business doing good for the planet, right? Does the business have a really great, you know, application of its purpose and values to its customers? You know, Mm -hmm. what are those amazing benefits that I'm going to get? You know, I want remote working. I want healthcare. I want cycle to work schemes. I want to have really great social environment. You know, gone are the days where, you know, money and, you know, the the logo would, would do it. Um there's a very different value set being created now by, you know, Gen Gen X, Gen Y, whatever it is, you know, those those sort of um those younglings. Uh so, oh the
0: boomer in you coming <laughs> in. <big, you know, laughs> uh, yeah.
1: Exactly. Um but yes, yeah, so I think the value set, Chase. So I think again for leadership, that's that's also quite a big shift. You yeah. know, that's that's definitely uh yeah, the you yeah, know, the concept of uh, you're not interviewing them. They're actually interviewing you yeah. now.
0: <laughs> no, it really should be that way. Yeah. No, for yeah, sure. Thanks. That's a, a really fascinating point. Uh, and just to summarize our, our conversation from, from what I've understood, uh, the world of business, whether you're a one man band or a massive corporate, is inherently uncertain and change is the only certainty that there is. And we don't know which way things are going to go. The temptation in that world for ambitious people is that they're going to push forward, that they're sure that this is the right way. But that very often can lead to some sort of disaster. And the only way to overcome that is by slowing down, having a good network, questioning, talking to your team on the front line, and really get generating, first questioning what you think, and then generating buy-in from people underneath you as well as above you. Uh, it's, a, it's a really great take that I think a lot of people will take a lot away from. And I'm wondering, if you were to take those lessons and your story away, and you were going to turn it into a business book, huh. what would the title be? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, what a question.
1: I'm, <laughs> I, I'm just sort of seeing all these other books that uh, I know relate directly to that concept of uncertainty. There. There's one boy, by a chap called Sam Connors Bailey. Um, mm-hmm. so kind of, yeah, called Be More Pirate. Um, uh, I haven't managed to get through it all, but that's one of them. And the, there's another one which is, is really interesting. It came out just, uh, at the beginning of, um, just before COVID, actually. It was about, it's called, it was, I think it was called Radical Uncertainty. I can't remember the name of the person I know. If, uh, certain people are watching, they'll, they'll tell me off for it. But, um, yeah, the concept, I suppose, what would I do? Uh, ride the wave of uncertainty,
0: maybe? Ride the wave of uncertainty. Yeah. Be,
1: yeah because, It'll make sure that you never get to a a place of complacement, complacence. Sorry. Because I think was it Rishi Sunak said, we've overcome uncertainty with something he said recently. I thought, hang on a second. That's impossible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You can't overcome uncertainty. That is, as you said, it's the only constant we've got. So if you can set your business up and if, you know, if there are ways that you can set up your business so that it doesn't matter what mm-hmm. happens in the world, you know that you are set up with the right people skills for your business, the right approach to the way you tackle problems, that it's not going to be an issue because you'll just ride the wave of it, right?
0: Exactly. And you can use that wave to navigate in, in more interesting directions. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Awesome. I thought you were going to say, don't be so sure you're clever as your title. You're not clever. <laughs> you're not clever. Could be a good one. Anyway, available in shops yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, Drew, how ride the wave of uncertainty? Anyway, it been great having you and hearing our stories, Drew. I'd love to have you back again sometime.
1: Thank you very much. Nice one, mate. It was really good fun. I enjoyed it.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Leadership for Unicorns podcast. Before you head off, I've got a small request to make. If you know another tech leader who would appreciate some of the ideas from this episode, please just click share and send it over to them. Also, be sure to hit subscribe and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts it really does help. Until next time, I've been your host, Rob D. Willis. Thank you and goodbye.